0: going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Yes. Good morning. Good to see you. Happy middle of July. As Pastor Brian said, we are weeks away from school starting back, and the parents said, amen, amen. Them kids get back out of the house. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor Victory Church. And if you are visiting with us this morning, we just want to say welcome. So glad you could be here. We are about four things here at Victory. We call them our four G's growing, guiding, giving, and going. And so everything we do falls in one of those four categories growing, to, helping people grow to know God, helping guide people to freedom, helping people have the opportunity to give out of their purpose, and then going and making a difference and over the past 48 hours or so our church has been really busy at going and making a difference on Friday uh, a group from the church went to the food bank and spent about two and a half hours at the second harvest food bank packing up groceries and different things that would send out to people who needed food and then Saturday uh, a group met here at this facility And did a whole bunch of things for what we call our our annual serve day. And so we had a group that worked on the teacher's lounge and we are currently in the middle of renovating the teacher's lounge for the teachers here at Rock Springs Middle. Uh, We'll also send a group that went to the local fire stations and a few assisted living homes and gave food and fruit and candy and treats. And then we had a group that handled landscaping and and cleaning out of different areas for the school. And so all throughout this weekend, our church has just been serving its tail off, showing the community about Jesus, showing the community about the message of Jesus. On uh, July 28th, right here in this particular auditorium, we're going to invite the teachers of this school. They will come And we will reveal to them the actual renovation and a few other things. And so this month for us is I love my city month on top of everything else and We committed when we launched this church that we wanted to be a church that wasn't just about the inside of the four walls, but the outside. And so we have different things that we're committed to. I'm going to announce something to you next week, actually. I was going to announce it today, but I'm going to wait and announce it next week, something that we're doing. But I do want to highlight this for a second. As you're leaving today, uh, the greeters and and the auditorium team, they're going to put one of these in your hand. They're only going to give you one, and here's why. Last week we gave you one, and here's why. Because we want you to take the next seven days and find an opportunity I heard of some people that bought the person behind them Starbucks and then they, they paid for it and gave them this. I, I was at lunch at a restaurant and gave a little extra tip and put it in the little uh, little thing where the money is or whatever. And it's just an opportunity for you to love on somebody in our community and leave them this, letting them know that it's not because you're awesome, but it's because God loves them. Cool. So when you walk out today, they'll give you one of these. Take one of them because I think I can trust you to give out one of them. Maybe not ten, but one. And so as you leave, grab one of these and give it out this week. Cool, you can do that? Amen. All right. Hey, if you got your Bibles, open to the book of James. book of James in the Bible is towards the Old Testament. I'm sorry, towards the, the back of the Bible. Uh, it's in the New Testament towards the, towards the end. The book of James is where we've been. And let me give you some, some backstory on James as you're getting there. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to use that because you can make notes. If you don't, feel free to use your phone. And as Pastor Brian said, it's on the app. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And at this particular time, he's pastoring in uh, Jerusalem, and he's writing this letter. All of the, the local uh, Christians, all, all the modern-day churchgoers have been uh, facing persecution, and so they're spread out, and James is writing this letter. And this letter is what eventually becomes the Bible for us, or a book of the Bible. And he sends it out to all these house churches, and they gather, and they get ready to read the letter from James, as we're going to do today. And so they would have read it in whole all the way through. Uh, what we're going to do is, what we've been doing is reading parts of it and then applying it to our life. And so every week we've taken a section of it and today we will finish chapter 4. And over the next couple of weeks we will have read the entire book and preached through the book of James. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, it, read uh, verses 1 through 12 in chapter 4 all the way through. And then I will break it down and we'll apply it to our lives. You ready for the word? Here we go. James chapter 4 verses 1 through 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, he got intense real quick. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says that without reason that he, is, that he jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're setting in judgment on it. For there is only one lawgiver, one judge, and the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? This might have been the heaviest letter that we've read so far from James, and you can kind of sense the hostility in him because what's going on is while he's trying to pastor the churches of that day, he's watching the churches fight with one another, right? So the people he's trying to pastor, the people, now keep in mind, he's talking to mostly Christians. Okay, he's not talking to unsafe people, he's talking to Christians. And most of them are fighting amongst each other. And here's what he's saying. Hey, we're not here to win arguments, we're here to win souls, right? And so we need to fix something. This, we, need to, we need to figure this out. And what James is about to do is he's about to give us both the reason and the remedy, both the cause and the cure, For the fights that we are dealing with on a daily basis. How many of you you, you get in fights occasionally? Anybody here get in fights occasionally? All right, the rest of you are lying. Thank you. Okay, So, so we just get in fights, we fight. It happens. And so here's the very first thing James is asking us, and he answers in this he's asking, Why do we fight to begin with? Why do we fight? Why do we fight with our spouses? Why do we fight with our kids? Why do we fight with our parents? Why do we fight with our coworkers and our boss? Why do we fight with the person on I-24? Why do we fight with the person behind the counter at McDonald's? Why do we fight? This is the very first thing Paul's Look, looked. James 4, verse 1, what causes it? Do you know? What, what, what causes the fights that you're facing? Now listen to me. This is an easy question to answer. I, I know the answer. You ready? Here's the answer. The answer will always be because them, whoever it is, whether it's my spouse, whether it's my kids, wh- why are you fighting, Troy? Because they, right? Uh, let, me, let me get you on board with me real quick. I want you to think for a second about your most recent fight, okay? Get it, get it in your mind, all right? For some of you, it was with your spouse. Some of you, it was with your friends. Some of you, it was with your kids this morning on the way here. Some of you, it was with your parents, some of you it was with your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your baby mama, you know, it was, it was whatever. Think about your last fight. You got it? Everybody got your last fight? All right? Now here's the question. What caused that fight? I'm betting all of you said, because they. Right? Your, your answer was towards them. Anytime my two kids are fighting and I I intervene, here's what they do. They can be, they can be at each other's throat. And I step in and I go, what's wrong? And here's what they do. Simultaneously, they go, "Well, she? And it's immediately the blame game. Am I right? Make sure I'm talking to the right people this morning. Do y'all deal with this? It's, it's immediately, it's just who we are. Anytime we're in a fight, it's their fault. It's just, it's just who we are. But here's what James is saying. He says, hey, when we fight, we tend to quickly jump to self-justification When maybe we should be quicker to jump to self-examination. Instead of being quick to justify ourselves in a fight, maybe we should stop for a moment and examine ourselves in the fight. When when we're fighting, what if the fight is because of us? It's so easy to put that blame on, on another individual. But James is saying us as Christ followers, we should be mature enough to know that, hey, there's something going on with me that's causing the fight out here. Make sense? James actually says it, watch this, Uh, continuing verse one through three, don't they, these are the fights, this is the fights he's talking about, don't they come from your desires that are battling within you? Right off the bat, in, in the fight you're fighting because of you, you desire but you do not have, so you kill. Now, again, in that time and age, people were actually dying over fights. It doesn't happen as much nowadays, unless you're from Memphis. But, but, but you know, people, it, it was happening. So you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you fight. You don't have because, guess what, you didn't ask God. And when you did ask, you didn't receive because you asked with the wrong motives so that you could spend it on your own pleasures. Here's what James is saying. He's saying, hey, the fights that are happening outside of you Are happening because there's a fight inside you. There's something going on inside of you that's affecting the relationships you have outside, and you're taking it out on people, and you're having these outside fights because inside you there's a fight. And here's what he says. It starts with this. You don't have something you want. We, we, We want something that we can't have, all right? Let me take you through this. Let's start when we were a toddler, Somebody had a toy that we couldn't have, and then we fought, right? And then you got a little bit older, and now all of a sudden, somebody's getting to stay up later, or somebody's getting to play, or somebody's getting to do something that we don't get to do, and we're fighting. And so as a young kid, we don't want to go to sleep. And then as a teenager, you don't want to wake up, right? And so you're fighting because they want you to wake up, and you don't want to wake up. And then as you continue, it's always, even as an adult, We are fighting today because we want something that we can't have. We wanted something. We expected something. We desired something. We didn't get it and so we fight with people. We wanted that attention and we didn't get it so we started a fight. We wanted that authority and we didn't get it so we started a fight. We wanted that raise. We wanted that praise and we didn't get it so we started a fight. We wanted empathy, we wanted sympathy, we wanted attention, we wanted affection. We didn't get it, and so we started a fight. James is looking at the church that day, and he's saying, hey, every one of you, you're fighting, but you're fighting because there's something you want that you can't have, and that's the root of it. And then this was surprising to me. He said, you don't have it because you don't ask God. And at first, it kind of caught me off guard, but I'm like, man, he's right. The Bible says that God is the giver of all good gifts. So, so if I want something, I should ask God for it, right? If, if I want attention, I should ask God for it. If I want affection, I should ask God for it. If I want praise or a raise, I should ask God for it. Because if God gives good gifts to his children, I should be what? Asking him first. So James says your frustration is already counterfeit because you want something that you can't have, but you're not asking the one who can give it to you. And then there's some of us that go, well, I have asked. I, I, me, I asked multiple times. And James addresses us too. He says, but you asked with the wrong motives. You wanted it for the wrong reasons. You wanted it for your pleasure. You didn't want it to glorify the kingdom of God. You wanted it to glorify the kingdom of you. And because that was the reason you wanted it, guess what? You don't get it. And I'm seeing this cycle that James has given us. I don't know if you ever thought about it before, but it's this constant cycle of frustration going on inside of us where we want something that we can't have, and we either didn't ask God for it, or we did ask God for it, and he didn't give it to us. And we're frustrated inside, but guess who we're frustrated at really? God. We're really frustrated at God, and we don't know how to argue with God, and so we take it out on those around us. And we get mad at the person that's crossing lanes because there's construction on I-24 on 8 o'clock at night when there shouldn't be. Why are we changing four lanes to two lanes on Saturday night? Can somebody help me? And we fight with people, and James is saying, no, 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 you're fighting the wrong fight. And then watch this. Here's what he's saying. The wars that are amongst you are a result of the war that's inside you. I never thought about that before. What if the reason why I'm constantly fighting with my spouse or constantly fighting with my kids isn't because they're bad? What if the reason why I'm always fighting with that coworker isn't because they they want my job? What if the reason why I'm fighting with the person who's over me isn't because I have a problem with authority? What if the reason why I'm constantly fighting with people is because there's a fight going on in here? And I'm not quite sure how to handle this fight. And so because I'm frustrated by it, I just fight with other people. What if I'm fighting the wrong fight? A few months ago, I was in the gym. I was actually with Scout. We were working out. It was probably, probably longer than a few months ago. But we were working out and we're sitting there. And this guy comes in and he just—he obviously, in the guys at the gym just look angry. You know what I'm talking about? Like they woke up angry. Like maybe they just had like an angry tattooed on their face. And so he comes in and he goes to what was considered the area where you deadlift. Okay, so if you know deadlifting you know deadlifting, and so, so he's in there, and where he is deadlifting, there's a little area right here where he, or another person can come and do pull-ups, okay? So a person can do pull-ups, and a person can do deadlifts. They won't touch each other, it might be a little awkward because they might be looking at each other, but there's no interference, all right, just so you know. So the guy's doing deadlifts, me and Scott are working out, we're just kinda doing our thing. And I noticed that that guy, he, he, he's out of shape, and he's angry. Just keep that in mind. And that's probably why he's angry. And so, so he, he starts to go somewhere, maybe getting some water or whatever, and this massive guy comes over. I'm talking like seven foot a lot and just just. Boom, just ridiculous, you know what I mean? He just comes in, and he goes right up to the machine, and I'm thinking, oh, no, that dude's not done working out there. And, but he goes around the deadlift, and he starts doing pull-ups, and I'm like, whoo, okay, this is fine, because they won't interfere with each other, or there won't be a murder here today at the YMCA, and so this is going to be okay. And, and he gets done with his pull-ups, and he, he drops down, and he walks away, and the other guy hadn't come back yet. A few minutes go by, he comes back, he does a few more pull-ups. While he's doing pull-ups, this guy comes back, and this guy starts yelling across the gym. I'm not done with that machine. Hey, I'm not done with that machine. And I'm thinking, oh, uh-oh, it's going to be bad. And the guy, he's like doing pull-ups with one arm, you know what I mean? He's like, what? What are you talking about? And, and so he gets down, and he walks up to him, and, and the big guy's trying to be very respectful, and he's like, hey, look, I, I'm just, you weren't there. I'm not bothering you. I'm doing pull-ups. I didn't touch your weights. And the other guy is in his face like this, just, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no no. Oh, no, no. And I'm looking at Scout, and I'm like, bro. We got to do something. Like, there's going to be a death here. And, and so I put the waist down. I go and I go and I grab the big guy at his waist. Okay, standing. This was his waist. <laughs> my head is rested on his belly button. Okay, and I'm just pushing him like this. I'm just, I'm just getting my workout just with him. And the whole time he's yelling over my head at this guy. And I'm looking back, and the anger guy still just he ain't moved him an inch. You know, but he's just like. Ah! And I'm pulling, him, and all of a sudden the big guy realizes, oh, there's something on me. And so he looks down and he's like, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, no, you can't fight him. You know, this is America. And so I'm pushing him. And he's like, he's like, look. And he starts trying to explain to me the situation. And I said, hey, man, listen, I saw the whole thing. And here's what I said, but you will kill him. <laughs> Literally looking up at him, I, this is 100% true. Ask out, you will kill him. And I just said, this this is not the fight that he wants to fight. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's mad about. I don't know why he's so angry. I don't, you know, maybe his keto diet isn't working or whatever's happening. He's mad for some reason, but this is the wrong fight for him. He will die. A gruesome death. Luckily, we succeeded that day and nobody got hurt. All right? Here's what James is saying. We're fighting the wrong fight. This whole arguments and fights you're having with it's the wrong fight. It's the wrong fight. Paul put it like this, and in Ephesians, I thought this was pretty cool. He said, Our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Pinch yourself real quick. Pinch the person beside you. I just did that for fun. That is flesh. That's flesh and blood. Paul says, that's not our fight. Instead, our fight is against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, our fight is not against humans. Our fight is against the enemy, devils, spirits. Is what's happening in the spirit world right here? This you are not my enemy. I'm not fighting you, and you're not fighting me. So why are we spending time fighting? Right? This is what James is saying. It's the wrong fight. Okay, so James, if that's the case, buddy. What is the fight that we're fighting? If that's not the fight that we're fighting, if I'm not fighting with my spouse or my kids, what, what, what is the fight that I'm fighting? And here's what James answers. Get ready. He says, this is the fight that's causing your frustration. So go ahead, so go ahead and hit me point two and then go on, go on to uh, James 4.4. 4. There we go. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who just chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Here's what James says The fight that you are fighting, the fight that you are fighting, the fight that I am fighting. Are you ready? Here's the fight. The fight is between being a friend of God and a friend of the world. Does that make sense? It's between being a friend of God and a friend of the world. This is the real fight. That you're fighting here would be church uh terms for it in case you've been in church for a long time it would sound like this it's the fight between flesh and spirit that's what it is between wanting to be a friend of the world and a friend of God and every one of us are fighting this fight when you woke up this morning and you were like should I go to church or should I have some coffee and lay back in this bed that, that's that fight between a friend of the world and a friend of God. And that's a little extreme, I understand. All right, but, but that, that, that's, there's, there's the flesh and then there's the spirit. This is a fight that we are all fighting. You've been fighting this since you were a small kid. You will fight this fight until the day you die. It's the fight between flesh and spirit. Friend of the world, friend of God. Pull this way, that way, this way. And check this out. The second you choose to be friends with one, you're automatically an enemy to the other. Automatically, it's like it's like iPhones and Androids, right? Like you, you can't you can't like both. You know what I mean? It's like LeBron James and Golden State Warrior fans. You can't. You it just. It's like like The Office and Parks and Rec. You can't like both. You gotta you gotta pick one or the other. Is that no? Okay. All right. Y'all y'all with me now? Okay. It's just it's how it is. Like you, if you choose to be friend a friend of God, then you're automatically an enemy to the world. It just happens. It just it is. And if you choose to be a friend of the world then you're automatically an enemy of God. It actually says this in the Bible. It says if you have a love for the world, then the, then the love of the Father cannot be in you. It, it, it's there automatically. I saw one cool little statement that was It said trying to be friendly with the world without being harmed by the world is like a mouse being friendly to a mousetrap or a deer being friendly to a hunter. So us being friends to the world is like a mouse being friends to a mousetrap or a deer being friends to a hunter if we choose to be a friend of God we're automatically an enemy to the world but if we choose to be a friend of the world we're automatically an enemy to God now let me tell you where the confusion often comes in we don't fully understand what it means to be a friend of the world I do not mean that you can't have friends who are unsaved it's not what I'm talking about I don't mean you can't binge watch stranger things all right that's not what I'm talking about that does not mean you can't go out and buy the little Nas X CD, okay? Like, like that, that's not what I'm talking about. Being a friend of the world is way more extreme than the things that we often think people are talking about. When you are a friend of the world, it's obvious. And let me show you some of the reasons why. This would be the tell of the to- tape for being a friend of the world. Right off the bat, if you choose to be a friend of the world, you choose separation from God. I've watched Stranger Things, and I am not separated from God. You know what I mean? When you choose to be a friend of the world, you are choosing separation from God. You're also choosing, watch this, to pursue what you naturally want, what your sin nature wants. Right? might not be what's best for you, but it's what you want. Also, you are Lord. When you choose to be a friend of the world, guess who makes the decisions? You, You're Lord, and then you adopt the world's values and standards. So when James says, when you choose to be a friend of the world, this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about, uh, uh, you know, how you went to a crunchy concert on Friday night. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about separation from God. He's talking about you are Lord. He's talking about adopting the world's values and standards. And then, now there's being a friend of God. Friend of God is closeness with God. It's pursuing what you actually want. Not what you naturally want, but what you actually want. Bible says that God knows the desires of your heart. Christ is Lord, not you, and you adopt God's values and standards when you're a friend of God. So this is the war that's going on. What, what war are you in that's causing you frustration, that's causing you to fight with the people that you are around? Here's the war. It's the war between wanting to be a friend of God and wanting to be a friend of the world. That's the war that you're in. Back and forth, back and forth. And here's the deal with this war this fight is not about who wins, it's about who will be worshiped. This is a fight for your worship. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So many people, this is how they live their life. It's just a constant pull. Back and forth, back and forth. What's wrong with you? I'm fighting. Because there's parts of me that want to be a friend of God, and then there's a part of me that wants to be a friend of the world. And I can't pick both, and so there's a fight. And now I'm frustrated, and now that frustration is coming out of me and into the relationships of my daily life. Here's what's always been interesting to me. If we looked at it that way, wouldn't it just be easy to choose God? Right? I mean, separation from God, closeness to God. I'm Lord, I'm going to make mistakes. He's Lord. He don't make mistakes. Yeah. His, his rules and standards, the world's rule that, that's an easy pick for me, right? Just make me a friend of God. I, I don't need to be a friend of the world. Just make me. It seems like an easy decision. But it's not, is it? It's not. It's difficult. No matter how easy we think it is, it's difficult. This is the same fight that Moses fought. It's the same fight that Joseph fought. It's the same fight that Eve fought. It's the same fight that Peter fought. It's the same fight that Satan fought. It'll be here for your great, 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 great grandchildren's children. This is how Paul described it. He said this is basically a fight I can't win because when I want to do good, I don't. And when I don't want to do bad, I do. Now, here's the tension of this sermon. You ready? I said all that to say this. Uh, Pastor, are you telling me you brought us here today to tell us that we are fighting a fight that we cannot win? Yes. (laughs) Welcome to church, everybody. That's the whole reason we're here today, is because James wants us to understand that we are all in the middle of a fight that no matter how hard we fight. We cannot win. No matter how good you are, ma'am, I got a right hook. that It doesn't matter. You are not going to win the fight. doesn't matter what you do. Can I just, I can't tell you something. Those of you that you keep trying really hard to get out of your sin and follow Jesus, you're not going to win. You're not going to win that fight by you trying. This is what James is saying. doesn't matter how hard you try. There's always a part of, there's a part of your spirit that yearns for God. And there's a part of your flesh that yearns for sin. And so there's this tug-of-war that's going on inside your spirit. And that's frustrating. I don't know about you, but it's frustrating to me. Because when I wake up in the morning, I want to be like all for God. But then there's the sin nature of me that wants to pull it. And it's frustrating. And now James is telling me that I can't, there's nothing I can do to win that fight? Then, then why even play the game, Right? You ever played a game and they don't keep score? Why why are we even playing the game? If if, if I can't win the fight, why are we even fighting? And this is sweet. James says, hold on, before you throw in the towel, there is a way to win this fight. But it has nothing to do with how good you are at fighting. See, that messes with my head. Because I always thought the person in the room that can fight the best wins the fight. But watch what James says to do, seven and eight. Submit yourselves then to God. You know what that means? Surrender. Surrender to God. See, to us, surrender is a negative thing, right? When we surrender, victory's over. When we surrender, our opportunity to win this stops. That's our mindset of surrender. But what James is saying is when you choose to surrender, your victory doesn't end. It's where your victory begins. Because watch this. You choose to surrender, and then because you've surrendered, now you can resist the devil. And you see what it said? Now he will what? Flee. Because you've surrendered your life to God, because you've surrendered your heart to God, now you can resist the devil, and he'll flee. And now you can draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I didn't expect James to take this direction. I, I thought it was going to be all about pray more, read more, go to church more, go get every version of the Bible, go take seven communion cups, you know what I mean, get holy water, holy oil, holy seven up, get it all, and, and just like get, get as spiritual as you can get to win this battle. And James is saying that's the problem. We have communicated to people that we are strong enough to operate this thing that Christ had to die for. And the only answer for all of us is to just put our hands up and say, God, I surrender my life to you. And this is such a sweet moment for the church because I bet they've gotten to a place where they think they've got it figured out. And James has spent four chapters telling them where they're wrong. And he knows that there's potential for them to start thinking, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And James says, wait a minute, wait a minute, just stop and surrender. Just surrender. Everybody that is in this place this morning, God brought you here to tell you this, that all you need to do is surrender your life to God. And when you surrender, now you can resist the enemy and he'll flee. And now you can draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I started thinking about this and reading more through James and James goes on to say that God is a jealous God. He's jealous for us. And I started thinking about A jealous God that's pursuing us, but then finds us in a place where we don't surrender, where we choose friendship of the world over the friendship of God. You you ever done that before? Is it just me? So here's this jealous God chasing us, and yet there's times where we choose friendship of the world over friendship of God, and there's a verse in uh, James 4, 6, where I saw this, and this is the whole reason I wanted to bring you today is to show you this, where he says, he gives us more grace, and when I read that, I've heard of grace before, but I thought, what is, what is more grace, right? Like, I understand, if you've been going to this church for any length of time, you understand that. Christ gives us grace. But, but, but what is more grace? What, what's, what's more grace? And I was chewing on that all day, all week. Well, what, what is more grace? If the problem for us is that we're constantly fighting a temptation that really wants to be a friend of God, but but finds itself back in being a friend of the world and therefore I know that I've probably disappointed God, what does it mean that he gives me more grace? I was praying about it about midweek or so, and the Lord dropped a story in my mind that I wasn't going to share with you, but I felt this morning for him to tell me that I need to share it with you. And to me, it's it's the most clear explanation of more grace. But for you to understand the story, I got to tell you a little bit of the backstory. My dad... Uh, grew up in an abusive home, physically, uh, mentally, verbally abusive. I'll give you just a couple of stories to, to catch you up. Uh, when he was a toddler, so, so, so when he was a very young baby, his father left, and his mom remarried, remarried, so he had a stepdad. And when he was a toddler, I think it was about three or four, they took him as a toddler, nothing but a diaper. They put him in the downtown area where they lived, and they left him with a bag of clothes. Just left him. Uh, mother and stepfather got back in the car, they left. He was, I think he was three, standing in the middle of downtown Moscow, and, and he's got a bag of clothes and he's in a diaper. And they called his grandmother and said, If you want Gary, he's on the side of the road, go get him. She went and got him. He lived with her for a few years until she died, and he got put back with his mom and his stepdad and continued to live with them. His mom and stepdad went on to have two kids of their own, and they began to see a lot of favoritism towards those kids and him. They got to live in the house. He had to live in a shed in the backyard. The shed only had one electrical outlet and and the the power of it, so he had to choose between TV, air conditioner, electricity. He had to pick one of those at all times. Um, One time he was in there playing a guitar, and his stepdad came to talk to him, and he couldn't hear him because of the guitar. So his stepdad walked in, grabbed the guitar, busted the guitar over him, broke the guitar, and then let his brother come in and finish beating him. That's just some of the stories, stories that are church-appropriate if you could say that. I don't remember that, 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 those stories at all as I was growing up. I, I, I remember one, one story about my grandpa. One thing, and um. I was talking to Darla the other day, and we realized we had never talked about this. But when I was about 10 years old, Uh, there was a season of my life where my dad would take me and my sister and my mom every Tuesday and we would go to Miss Winters. y'all remember Miss Winters? Fried chicken. Best chicken biscuits in the world. And we'd go by and get like a bucket of chicken and sweet tea and we drove about an hour we went to this assisted living area where my grandpa was. He was at a point where his mind and his body couldn't really operate on his own, and so he was in the hospital bed, and, and he had to be taken care of. And in this season of his life, both his, his wife was dead, my grandmother, and both his actual daughter and his actual son wanted nothing to do with him. So every Tuesday night, we'd go to Miss Winters, we'd get this bucket of chicken, we'd drive over to this assisted living place, we'd go, out, go up the stairs, you know, me and my sister in tow. We'd knock on the door. We'd go into the room. He was in the bed. My dad would get him up out of the bed and clean him up, help him get dressed, take him to the bathroom, bring him back to the table. He'd sit down at the table, him, my mom, my sister, my dad, me. And the very first thing, very first words he would speak, he'd look at my dad and he'd go, are you getting fat? very first words he'd speak to him. He'd go on, talk bad to my mom, talk bad to my sister. I'm sure he talked bad to me, but I didn't care about him. So I didn't even listen. And he'd go on through this process, and we—he he wouldn't speak one loving word to my dad, not one. So we'd go on, we'd eat the chicken, clean it all up. My dad would go through, make sure his clothes was good, make sure his room was good. He'd sit down on the couch, watch TV with him for about an hour, and then it was time for bed. He'd tuck him in, get him ready for bed, and then we would leave. We'd leave the assisted living area. We get into the car, we drive an hour back to our home and the whole way there, the whole way home, my mom and my dad argued and my mom would ask, why do you keep going to that place? He doesn't love us, why are you loving him? And it would just be this conversation and guess what? Next Tuesday, we'd get back in the car and we'd go back to Miss Winters and we'd go back to the place. And it was over and over and over. And, And as a boy... I guess I watched it waiting to see the moment that my grandfather broke and kind of recognized and started loving my father back, kept kind of waiting for that moment. And week after week, are you getting fat, Gary? After week after week, it didn't happen. And for over a year we did this until he passed away. And never once did my grandfather say, thank you never once did my grandfather tell him he loved him. And yet every week, we went and got this fried chicken. We spent the gas money to drive an hour. I hadn't thought about that story in years. And I'm praying, I'm asking God, what is more grace? God said, do you remember the way your dad loved your granddad? He said, that's more grace. That's just not grace. That's more grace. Every time he left on Tuesday and came back next Tuesday, it was more grace. And it was more grace. And it was more grace. And no matter how many times he got taught bad to, no matter how many times my grandfather ignored him, no matter how many times he put down my mother, my sister, myself, My father loved him. More grace, more grace, more grace. And then I felt so clearly the Spirit of God say, in this story, you are your grandfather. God said, I'm your dad. And every week, every day, I come waiting for you to surrender Waiting for you to give up on being a friend of the world and being a friend of mine. Because I'm jealous for you, yearning for you. And so I just kind of pictured God showing up with a bucket of chicken. You know what I mean? Just makes sense. He knocks on the door and he's like, You ready? You ready to be my friend? And he comes in and he takes care of everything I need and he helps me and he assists me. And, and the whole time as he's there for me, I'm not paying him any attention. I'm saying disrespectful things to him, and I'm I'm choosing the world over him. And as the day ends, I just felt God tell me this, as the day ends, I'll be back tomorrow with the same bucket of chicken, with the yearning to be your friend again, the opportunity for you to surrender again. And for those of you that, hey, you hadn't done it yet, God hopes it's today. But if it's not today, he'll try again tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, he'll try again Tuesday. And if it's not Tuesday, he'll try again next week. And if it's not next week, he'll try again next month. And if it's not next month, he'll try again next year. And that is more grace. Grace on grace on grace, stacks on stacks on stacks. Of grace and grace and grace and grace. And I say, God, there's this fight in me that wants so bad to surrender my life to you. But then there's this pool that I can't quite win that wants the world. And even though I fight hard and I try hard, I never win. And God says, Would you just stop fighting and just surrender? And if it's not today, God's going to try again tomorrow. And this is what He does. Pursues you day after day after day because He is jealous for you. He loves you. He wants you. James said that He's jealous for the spirit that he put amongst you. There's a spirit that when you were created, God put in you. And it yearns to be with God. And God yearns to be with it. And therein lies your frustration. Because something in you yearns to be with God. But we keep choosing to stay friends with the world. And it's a fight that we can't win that if we'll just surrender, we get to experience all of the love and all of the grace of Jesus. And I just wanted to tell somebody this morning, today's your day. Today's your day to surrender, to say, God, I'm I'm through trying to do this. I, I just want you desperately. I keep trying to do it on my own, and it keeps failing. Day's your day, and then I want to talk to one other person real quick. I promise I'm about to close. You're the person that you've messed up so many times that you think surely God has moved on. And I told you that whole story about my dad to show you that if a human being can do it, imagine the grace that God has. Day after day after day after day. Well, I mess doesn't matter. Day after day, it doesn't matter. Is today the day? Is today? God, god, here's what I love. I feel like I feel like God's kind of leaning on the clouds. He's like this. Kind of leaning on the clouds, looking And he's like Is today the day? Is today the day? And, and for some of you you already know. So he's like, "Huh?" And then some of you know that it's not quite today, but it's coming. And he's got more grace till we get there. And all it takes is for us to surrender. Let I me mean, have to you, close your eyes. man what a moment. Jesus, we come before you this morning, humble, broken, tired, frustrated. We're so tired of fighting, tired of trying and failing. Everything in us wants to give up. And here you are telling us, yeah, give up. Stop. But give up in my direction. Surrender to me. Would you stand with me all around this place? I just know we need a moment. And so whatever you need to do, if you need to lift your hands, if you need to hit your knees, whatever that looks like, maybe you need to stand, maybe you need to sit back down, whatever whatever is going on in you right now, I'm not able to predict that. But I know that God put this message here today on this day for you. Three years ago when he put it in our heart to plant this church It wasn't for me, and it wasn't for Darla, and it wasn't for those that moved here, and it wasn't even for those who go to church here. It was for you for this day, today, right now, for you to be set free, for you to be able to surrender, for you to be able to stop trying out of your own strength and take on his strength. And I know you've tried before, but my goodness, he's got grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And his only desire is for you to give up in his direction. So, Lord, we pray right now that you would help us do just that. I know there are people in this place, Lord, that everything in them wants to surrender to you. Everything in them wants to stop trying out of their own strength. Everything in them wants to believe you're real. They want to believe that that everything they've ever heard, and they want to believe this is true, and this is your moment to show yourself to them. This is your moment to reveal yourself to them. Out of a true heart of surrender, God, you can change their life. What I want to do this morning in a minute I'm going to pray and when I, when I say amen our band's going to take us into that little chorus of that song stand and I just want you to make a declaration to God whatever that looks like for you just a moment of surrender whatever, whatever God's been speaking to you whatever you're feeling that's your time to react so Lord right now as we begin to worship you, as we begin to surrender to you, God, as we begin to lift our hands and hit our faces and just say, we can't do this without you. For those, Lord, that are committing their life to you for the first time, for those who are rededicating their life, for those who just want to know you're real, for those who have been fighting and they are tired and they are frustrated and you're about to bring them rest and healing, God, I just pray you'd have your way in this place. Do what only you can do, minister to hearts in the way that only you can minister come on would you just lift your hands right now and just begin to pray just begin to tell them whatever whatever's on your heart Lord I surrender my life to you tell them you're tired let them know you're frustrated begin to resist things hallelujah